Hello team, it's Fab here, founder and head teacher at All Marketing School and your Marketing BFF. I want to remind you that there is a special invitation for you to join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Get certified as a positive impact strategy and make people fall in love with you and your work. Reclaim your time, understand the marketing foundations with a positive impact spin. If you are a marketing freelancer who wants to raise the quality of services and do more with less, or maybe you are an early stage marketeer ready to invest to gain real experience in building a strategy with purpose, or you're a marketing leader who wants to be recognized as a go-to expert and tackle new growth challenges. Whether you are beginners or whether you have some confidence into your strategy, we want to support you. We want to help you achieve your strategic goals, toss confettis in the air, and blast your favorite hype song as you get through eight incredible weeks with me and the rest of our faculty. Think about our certification as marketing training at university standards, not prices. So if you're ready to join us and you want to check out our incredible curriculum, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash certification. I repeat, amschool.click slash certification to find out more and learn what you are going to go through in our eight weeks. From marketing foundations all the way to leadership and storytelling skills, we're also going to cover strategic marketing blocks and advanced marketing tools. Plus, you get workshops, hot seats, group work, and even timely panels with incredible experts in the field. So what are you waiting for? No, I mean it. Our next cohort is starting real soon. So make sure that you head to amschool.click slash certification to come and join us and learn how to market to hearts, not to brains. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are currently bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. My name is Fab, and I'm the founder and head teacher at Alt Marketing School. And today, class is in session, and I'm not alone. Oh, yes, indeed. Today, I've got the wonderful Jackie Bavaro with me. If you don't know Jackie or the topic we're going to talk about today, you're going to be opened up and introduced to a whole new world, which, even for myself, might be slightly new. However, it's definitely not new for Jackie, because she has over 15 years of product management experience. So this is exactly what we're going to talk about today. Most recently, as head of PM at Asana, which you might know, and not because Jackie is here, but is our project management tool of choice. So um, during her tenure, she grew the PMT to over 20 people, helped Asana go from zero to more than 100 millions in annual recurring revenue, and launched Asana's associate product management program. She also has worked as a PM for Google and Microsoft as well, and in a diverse set of PM roles, consumer, B2B, platform, mobile, and growth. She's been a manager and a manager of managers. Also, just running in there, fellow author, she has written two books, Cracking the PM Interview and Cracking the PM Career. Whew, Jackie, how did I do? Me, me fangirling about Asana for about 10 minutes. 
<laughs> Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Jackie, I have a couple of questions for you to start us off. So I'm going to actually go in and open my vault of icebreakers because, yes, I have an imaginary vault of icebreakers for us. And I'm going to ask you my first question, which I'm really interested in hearing your answer about. Jackie, what would be a trivia category you would be really good at and why? Uh, sorry, a trigger category? Trivia category. What is that trivia category? Like Trivial Pursuit. It can be sports, it can be media, it can be films. Oh, what's a trivia category that I'm good at? I am... It's been a while since I've done trivia. I think that I uh, tend to be pretty good at 90s pop songs. What is the one song that will always get you on the dance floor whenever you hear it? On the dance floor, uh, I love I love songs by Rihanna. That is fantastic. So, am I, do you also listen to Rihanna at work or when you're doing some work, or that puts you too much into the pumped up zone that you can't actually listen to her if you're doing something like in the flow? Yeah, I don't usually listen to music while I work, which is strange because I love music. But yeah, I think it distracts me too much. You know what I. It's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because I say a few times, especially on the podcast, I used to be a music journalist and it's a bit of a blessing and a curse of being a music journalist or having the past life as a music journalist is that I can't enjoy listening to music just to have it in the background because I either start getting emotionally invested in it or I start reviewing it in my head. So I understand, I think, when you love music actually a lot music connects you with feelings or like maybe a moment in life so especially when you're in that focus zone I'm a bit like you I either get really like ambient or post-rock or nothing because otherwise I get so distracted so I hear you my second question for you is going into the past again maybe at the time that you were on the dance floor jamming with Rihanna or maybe even before that Jackie what is the first job you had and what did you learn from it so I am one of the rare people who went, um, who I went straight into product management when I graduated. Um, so my first full-time job was as a product manager at Microsoft. Before that, I did have some classes as teaching assistants for computer science classes. I did like a summer program and I did, was a TA at, um, in college. So um, yeah, in terms of, of what I've learned from that, I, I definitely learned to value listening to people's questions and to really understand what somebody is trying to learn and, and um, how much of it they understand and then how much exactly find out where that gap in knowledge is so that when you're trying to teach something to somebody, you can um, you don't give them, you don't talk too much, you don't answer the wrong question, you don't skip over the part that they're missing, but you can really focus the the advice and support that you give to exactly what someone needs. First of all, preach. Nobody can see me, but I'm kind of doing my little preaching dance because obviously as a teacher, as a school, I love everything you said because I think it's such an important part of understanding the role of a manager or somebody that supports other within their roles, not just as a teacher of, which is what excites me too. Uh, actually, I want to ask you your opinion and not just because you wrote two books about obviously career and the career of PMs as well. 
do you find there are some synergies, also having been a teacher assistant yourself, within the role of a teacher as a leader, I guess, and the role of a manager? Yes. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that teachers and managers have so much in common. Um, I also noticed that uh, parents and managers have a lot in common. There's, there's so much of the management role is about um, building a team and figuring out how can you grow the people on your team so that they can be more impactful. And, um, and that really under, it involves understanding what does growth look like for them? And then how do you, what kinds of practices or, um, or experiences or teachings do they need to, to get that growth? I absolutely love that. And I find that when I first became a manager myself, I know that's been a big part of your of your role too in the different iterations of your work. It was really humbling for me to realize that. And also I think something that I constantly learn, we're going to talk a lot about learning today, obviously, but something that I constantly learn and have learned is understanding other people, honestly, when it comes to their style of work and even for students, their style of learning for me is so important where we run a certification because there's a lot of hands-on work we do together. And I think the sooner I learned that people are different in so many ways, the more I was open, as you say, to ask the right questions, understand what answers were needed, but also adapt my style as a manager slightly to their needs to help them grow in the way they wanted to but I want to hear your opinion I find and then we're going to get to the final icebreaker question I went on a tangent but I love this topic as you can see but I want your opinion how I think there's a misconception that it's supposed to be easy or that people are just born with this magical skills of being great managers I personally believe that it's not the case is first of all it's hard and it takes time and it takes learning also as a manager but also, I don't think it's easy. I think there's a misconception that it's like you were born with it and you go and you're the best manager you can be. I think it's such a learning process in itself. So I want to hear your opinion on that. Yes, uh, management is definitely a skill you need to learn like other skills. And it's especially hard to learn because you can't practice it on a um, on a set timeline the way that you can practice other skills. So if you're a marketer, you can practice, you know, launches because you know what your launch cycle is going to look like. And so you get to practice launching. But if you're a manager, you don't get to practice, you know, coaching someone who's underperforming on a regular schedule. It Maybe you get faced with that really early as a manager, like you've been a manager for a few months and you have to deal with it. Or maybe you go three years and then you get your first person who's, who's, um, who's underperforming. It's also, I found that really challenging because often the people who become managers are the people who, um, who were doing the best at their previous job. They were sort of the, the overachievers, the um, exceeds expectations. And when we become managers, the typical way to, um, to learn how to manage is based on how you were personally managed. And that means that maybe you have lots of experience on how, how your manager supported you when, you know, you as someone who's, who's uh, exceeding expectations does well, but you might not have had those, expect, those um, experiences of how a manager treats someone who is missing expectations, because if you'd been missing expectations, you might not have been promoted to manager. I love that. I think it really helps us also kind of framing and understanding that process. And it really helps, again, me seeing that into a different perspective because I also find that sometimes until we talk to people we don't understand that actually setting expectations 
is one of the most important elements of also doing things like setting boundaries, you know, going to the idea of how to manage well, but also keep balance in your life and, you know, keep, obviously it's a big thing that we want to promote as well, regardless of your role, but especially as a marketer, want to make sure that we still have a life, that we still can breathe, that we can still get away from our slack when we need to. And I find that there's that understanding sometimes that once you start resetting expectations in a lot of ways, it really helps you as well with all the different areas of your work. So I absolutely love that. Now, my final icebreaker question, believe it or not, we got that, uh, is all about, well, we encourage people to market to hearts, not to brains. Obviously, what we teach is positive impact marketing. So I have to ask this question. What does making a positive impact on your audience or your students or even your team mean to you, Jackie, and why? Mm -hmm. So I would say that um, most of my uh, my sort of teaching career, so writing Cracking the PM interview and writing Cracking the PM career, um, teaching a product strategy course, has all been sort of based around um, experiences that I had early on as a product manager that helped me realize that a lot of people who had the potential to be great product managers weren't getting the chance or the support or the information they needed to be able to become great product managers. And I think that product managers have such an important role in the world of, um, of tech products. And so I think that if we can have more great product managers in the world, we'll have more great tech products. And that means that we can, um, and, and great tech products, I don't mean just like the best possible products uh, from a functionality perspective, but also ethical products and products that um, achieve what they're trying to achieve. Because I think about um, so many people put, you know, months of work into building something and then nobody uses it, for example. And that's just wasted effort that if they had had uh, a little better planning, they could have built something that would be more helpful to the world. So, um, so for me, the kind of positive impact that I'm trying to have is trying to help more people with the potential of being great product managers achieve that potential and get the job and learn the skills they need to know and get promoted and have a good working environment and all of the different things that they need and support they need so that they can um, in turn have their positive impact on the world. Absolutely love that. And I also want to say and reiterate based on all of your work and especially your books, there's such a big synergy with product managers and more confident and, and better product managers, for lack of a better word, and the element of leadership. And I think that also kind of links back to the idea then, then of them being able to also become advocates for their products. I haven't done Jackie's course or so I have no really idea how much that fits into our strategy obviously but from a marketing perspective I think it's so important to understand the value of your personal brand as part of a team or having such a big relationship an intricate relationship with the product as a product manager I find sometimes we forget that that leadership can work within your team but also in a way that you showcase and are living the the mission of the company and the product so I find this is really exciting. Again, for somebody like myself, I love to do this podcast and obviously do everything I do because I learn myself from some areas that I'm not so familiar about. And this is why also we want to hear what you have learned. And since we smoothly went out of the icebreaker session with some fun conversations about teaching as well in it, now class is in session for real. And um, 
going back to what I was just saying is I'm curious about some things that I generally don't know about this topic. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Jackie, again, and actually ask you what is the one thing that you can teach our students, but also listeners in, let's say, one minute or so. (laughs) Nice. So um, the thing that I would love to teach your listeners is, um, hi, listeners. Uh, The thing I would love to teach is about the three stages of uh, a product management career, which I think also has parallels uh, for marketing careers and designers' careers, and I think even to an extent, um, engineers' careers. So when I was a new PM, actually, one minute, I'll skip the whole background. We can ask more about it later. But there are three stages of a PM's career. And the first stage is shipping product. So to be a great product manager in the first, you know, three to five years of your career, it's being someone who can deliver a product that delights customers and hits the business goals, right? It's all of the things you need to do to make a product that delights customers and hits the goals. And you might think that's Isn't that all there ever is to product management? But no, that's just the first stage. Uh, To get to senior PM, you need to enter the second stage, which is product strategy. So to be a great product manager in that middle stage, it's about identifying new opportunities, new target markets, and uh, coming up with a plan for how you can win those markets and then delivering and executing on those plans. So it's really going after new opportunities And sometimes no one tells you that you have to make this switch from stage one to stage two. Um, You just start hearing you need to be more strategic. And that that means to a certain extent, like, what's the opportunity? What's the vision that you're going after? What's going to be new in the future? Um, And then you might think that's all there is to product management. But there's a third stage. um, And this usually happens around the, the shift to director, senior director. And here, the it's all about scaling. And it's I call this stage organizational excellence. So in this stage, great product leaders are the people who can build a great team that's the best at creating strategies and shipping products. So here, a lot of your work becomes hiring people, coaching people, setting up the processes that they need to excel. And that's only half your job is looking down at your organization. The other half of your job is looking up and out to the rest of the company And that's being a good strategic leader to the rest of the company. So you start to be valued for your input in these strategy meetings with the executive team and the amount that you're able to um, contribute to the rest of the company. You might be in a meeting where you're giving advice uh, or discussing and sharing advice with the head of sales, even though that's not what you typically do. So yeah, three stages, shipping product, product strategy, organizational excellence. And I think that in other roles like marketing, you get a similar thing where it's focus on the deliverable of what you're working on, identify new opportunities and build a strong team. I love this. And actually, I I want to ask because I think that's also part of the flow in my head, at least having, having done marketing for 13 years, I've seen just different levels of confidence that have I've built within myself and within my work and I'm kind of I wanted to wonder how these three levels are also reflected into the type of support that you need from other people around you let me explain like from uh from my position I've done this for again over 13 years now uh, I find myself into that position of leadership where I cannot just make strategic thinking but as you also echoed 
being able to proactively go and support others or guide others. So I know that that's my level right now. And I think it comes from a bit of self-awareness. But then I also can think about myself, um, again, 10 years ago, 13 years ago even. And I was at the stage where I was trying a lot of things, but also I didn't have the confidence or I was asking for a lot more help. So I just wanted to see how, you know, as well as obviously the different stages and what you are doing, kind of how do you then shift the level of support that either you need or you give? Because I think it sounds obvious, but especially in the middle area, I think it's such a give and take position where you need to, yes, step into leadership, but also you're still in a position where maybe you need to, you know, hold on to people a bit more. So can you just break that down a bit for us? Because I think it's going to be relevant for anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think about your level that you are. So whether you're a junior, senior, director, all of that is really tied to your scope, autonomy, and impact. So Scope is what you're responsible for. So you're the product manager for the notifications team, or you're the director for the whole uh, set of um, the entire apps division. So that's your scope, and you're kind of given that scope. You don't really get to choose it. Your autonomy is which things you can do alone and which things you need support for, um, as well as are you getting support when you need it, as opposed to like trying to do it by yourself but doing it incorrectly. Um, and then impact is the results. Did you actually deliver outsized impact that made a difference for the whole company? And so at each level, uh, like when you're an associate product manager, brand new, you are basically trying to learn the ropes and you need to start off with a lot of support of how to launch a product. Um, but to graduate, you sort of need to be able to do it on your own where you're like, okay, great, launching a new thing. It's not controversial. I know that I need to write a spec, get this kind of approval, coordinate with this other team. Um, I know how to, how to get something out the door. In the, uh, when you're trying to get that promotion to senior PM, that's where you end up needing a lot of support on strategy. And so in the beginning, you'll work with your manager to get a strategy into place. Um, but once you're sort of solidly as a senior product manager, that's where you can sort of create strategies for your own team by yourself. But then as you become a manager, you start creating strategies that other people will use. So there's a level of indirection where you're not in the room to make sure the strategy is uh, is matching what you had in your mind. And that's something that you start off with support. And then uh, by senior director, you can do that. Um, you can do that without support. I absolutely love this. And I just want to say something to that listener. Yes, I'm talking to you. Yeah, yeah, like you listener that might be starting out, maybe you're not sure what you want to do with your career, or maybe, yes, I'm talking to you as well, you might be looking to get into freelancing or maybe looking to actually, you know, be more flexible when it comes to your teams. You might be thinking, Fab, I love this, but how is it relevant to me? Now, I want to obviously see if Jackie agrees with me, but I'm going to tell you, both of you, yes, both of you, that actually, when you think about this, this can be so relevant also if you decide to either take a more freelance position or a more fluid position, because regardless of that, that also helps you understanding your level within your career, even if you are working with different people or you're just kind of growing into your stages of, let's say, even if you're an entrepreneur, let's put it even to these terms or a freelancer. I think we don't talk about this enough. And there's such a big pool of people that we work with, I personally work with, and I'm sure also you as well they might be more flexible in the way they work and they actually support different teams. And even I think this can be so invaluable, especially for these people, because you don't really have such a structured growth 
because there's nobody else telling you like actually how your role is growing and you know how many years do I need to take in order to elevate my position or provide a different support so I just want to say this is relevant for anyone correct me if I'm wrong Jackie but I know that some people might be thinking well I'm a freelancer doesn't matter to me in my opinion it does because it helps your understanding where are you at the stage of your career you can really model this also when you're not just working for a company or multiple ones but correct me if I'm wrong I agree well, this was the answer to one question. So yeah, again, once again, we did go round into the rabbit hole. But I have another one and we'll see where we go with this one because it might be that actually takes us into more of a personal life. What is something that you unlearned recently, Jackie? Maybe personal life, maybe work life. How did it improve your life, this thing that you unlearned? <laughs> I love this question. No one's ever asked me about what I've unlearned before. Um, and one of the things that comes to mind is I recently, and this is going to be personal life, I recently read this book called Healing Back Pain. And it's really interesting is that I had thought that uh, it applies, I think, to shoulder pain, back pain, low upper back pain, lower back pain. I, I had sort of thought that... Um, that if you if you've got kind of chronic back pain that you've injured something and you should try to like stay light on it and like you know not exacerbate it and what this uh, this book suggested is that it might be that your body has decided to cleverly store some like repressed anger or repressed anxiety in that part of your body and like has decided to like reduce blood flow to that muscle that causes an ache but basically because it's it's easier on your brain than facing the fact that you're mad. And I was like, well, that's silly. And they're like, well, here's what you know. we suggest you do is just like, see if you're mad about something. And if you are, be like, brain, please don't put that pain into like my shoulder. I've had a shoulder kind of pain for, you know, nine years. And so I tried it and like three weeks later, it's gone. And I'm like, how, how? I don't understand. And now uh, I've been so much more in touch with like, oh, I'm mad. I like, I do very much tend to be like, I never get mad, but I, I do. And so I'll be like, I'm mad. Brain, don't hide it in my shoulder pain. And it's uh, it's been kind of amazing. I absolutely love this. Oh, first of all, I'm going to start doing that myself as well. Um, there's another book that my, kind of, you might be interested in, but in general, like dear listeners, yourself too, um, which is uh, Louise Hay, How to Heal Yourself. It's a very whole book, like Lewis Hay from Hay House, How to Heal Yourself. And it's, it's a big, it's more like a Bible book where it talks you through what are different ailments meaning. So if, if, it's, if it's the throat, if it's the back, if it's such. Because there is a, a very deep connection between our brains and our bodies. And I also find that sometimes we forget about this, especially when we have jobs that require us to stare at screens or sometimes like our interactions only happen in, in an online world as well. I think even that doesn't allow us to express sometimes our emotions that easily, whether we like it or not. If you're working with somebody in an office and something really frustrates you, you can vent as simple as that. I mean, nothing wrong with an audio vent on Slack to a friend or to a colleague, but I think it's different. I generally think that even even this is not helping us as much, kind of releasing some of our emotions. So absolutely love that. Adding an extra recommendation with Louis Hay, but definitely something that I will do a bit more consciously. I want to try for myself because I've had a couple of aches and pains and I know that I store a lot of <laughs> my repressed <laughs> frustration somewhere in my body, to be honest. So thank you for that. Now, my final question from class in session is about teachers, indeed. 
what is the biggest lesson that a teacher or a mentor has taught you? Jackie. So I think the the best lesson that I've had, I'm gonna give two. I'm gonna give one that's not a sound bite, and then I'll give I'll give one that's lit more like of an applicable sound bite. But I would say the the best lesson that I ever had was getting to apprentice with JR, who's one of the co-founders of Asana, on understanding how to cra- how to create a product vision. So when I joined Asana, I was like, I'm not a visionary person, I'm super practical. And if I ever tried to write a vision, I just get bogged down and like, well, that's not possible. So like, let's like bring it back in a little bit. Um, and I could never get anybody excited about the stuff I wanted to work on. And I got to sit with him. Um, and uh, first year he was like, Jackie, can you help me with the slides for the vision? And I was like, okay. And so he's talking and I'm typing and I'm like running to designers to get like designs for the, the different slides that we need. And I'm... Um, I am just uh, like not contributing at all. I'm just like listening. Uh, But I got to see how he thought through things. And then the second year I started asking questions and maybe making a few suggestions. Um, And I was able to grow little by little to, um, to, to eventually taking it over. And I would do the first draft and then send it to him for a review. So, um, so that apprenticeship model of getting to see someone who's amazing is so useful and just realizing that he was glad that I was doing the slides because he didn't want to do that. So for him, having me help out was like making his life easier. But for me, it was this amazing opportunity to get to see hands-on how do you um, how do you create like these visions. So I definitely encourage anyone who is trying to learn something like that to see, just offer your help to to the person who's sort of your role model or the person that's good at it, ask if you can take notes in their meeting, you know, ask if they need help putting the slides together or, or pulling some data analysis or um, anything you can do to help them just so that you get that seat next to them to see how they do it and you can absorb so much. The more soundbitey thing that I've learned that uh, I heard in my first year as a product manager and so influential uh, was somebody said, it's your job to become the expert. And before that, I had really thought I was like new. I was at Microsoft. I was like, these are the people that make the software. Uh, you know, I really felt like like just in awe to be next to everybody. Um, but then to realize that I was assigned some scope, right? I had like a feature that I owned and that nobody else was going to care about this feature as much as I did. They'd given me this feature because they didn't have enough time to look into it deeply. And that the way that I was going to add value to the team was to research and learn and do all of the work until I knew more about my feature than anyone else did so that I could contribute to the team and I could be adding um, reasonable information, reasonable opinions, and that I would be able to have that credibility so that I could help, uh, help multiply the efforts of the other people on my team. So just understanding that uh, my value to the team is the expertise that I put work in to develop. I absolutely love both, and I think they're both so relevant in so many ways. I'm genuinely a big fan fan of having people kind of ask like questions and going to be able to do something together, like that kind of co doing and co creating for people within my teams, whether it's all marketing school, whether it's Edge, like at the social marketing agency, sorry, marketing agency that I work with as a COO. I still find that when people come to me and they ask me those questions to work with things together, I can see that they absorb that understanding more and they're able then to be more 
independent from that. So I totally agree. I think that's so powerful. And also the soundbite one, again, resonates with me as well a lot because that's literally how I learned what I learned. You know, I've been self-taught for a very long time and the passion of me to be able to train others comes from the fact that I understand how impactful it is to give people that confidence as well and give them the tools and like that environment to do that safely. So thank you so much for sharing both because I think they're so powerful. Talking about powerful... It's powerful because it's quick. It's quick fire time. That's why it's powerful. I got a couple of questions. The first one, I'm kind of interested to see what comes up, uh, Jackie. So we'll see what that goes. Um, quick fire is coming. And the first one is, what is or are underrated tools that are indispensable for your day-to-day work? I'm excited about this one because it's a product management. So... <laughs> Uh, I use Calendly. I think it's amazing. So I, uh, I'm not working at, um, at a company where I have like a, um, I don't have like an assistant or anything like that, but I'm able to do scheduling. Um, and I know that I've done scheduling in the past and it's a nightmare. So Calendly makes that easy. Thank you for reminding everybody that actually having a meeting link or a calendar link or an availability link is one of the best things that you can do, especially if your role, your work allows you to do so literally lifesaver back and forth for hundreds of hours figuring out when nah no more so thank you Jackie for that one because I think it's a good reminder for anybody who hasn't done it yet other question is what is the last picture that you took on your phone I signed up for be real so the notification went off uh, this morning when I was sitting in my car so I took a picture of the dashboard of my car to be honest, it's better than pretty much every social media manager in the world or marketer has been like, oh, it's a picture of me literally posting something or me on a social media platform again. So yeah, fellow millennials, <laughs> you are welcome. This is our life. I love that. Absolutely love that. I, I honestly, I kind of love how some people are approaching Be Real. I want to see where that is going. So maybe that's a conversation for another day, but I'm really interested to see where that's going. Back on social, actually. Uh, what is your social, sorry, what is your favorite social media platform right now and why? So what's your fave? Uh, I'm big on Twitter and Twitter is obviously in a little bit of turmoil today. Um, and my, my heart goes out to anyone who's affected by the layoffs, but, uh, I'm very active on there. I tend to give the fastest replies there. And, um, I was actually listening to a Stratechery podcast and they were talking about how like some people are just word people. Most people are visual, but a few people are word people and the word people love Twitter. I agree. I agree. I, I am that. To be honest, I'm an ambi, I don't know, I'm ambi learner or kind of like consumer. I do love visuals, but I also do love words. And I, I agree with you. I find that a lot of clients or students that we work with that maybe are not so worthy, so to speak, like just they literally stand away from Twitter. Like it's like completely opposite of what they like to do. Whereas I find that people like myself, there's something comforting in knowing that Twitter word is still queen a bit more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Obviously, there are elements of visuals or other interactivity, but it's nice to know that that is the place where you can just get little haikus out or just kind of get your your creative juices going. So I agree. So again, regardless of what's happening today at time of recording, there's still good people to follow. So just to get a bit of Twitter inspiration going, who should we follow on the platform? Do you have one person that we should go and find on Twitter today, if we are indeed Twitter people ourselves? 
so uh, I'm going to give you sort of two answers, the tech and the non-tech answer. Um, for tech, I have, a, I have a Twitter list called like Cracking the PM Career. Um, it's, if you go under my lists, you can find it. And there I've basically curated like maybe a few hundred people who are basically, if you want to stay on top of what's happening in the tech world, are great people to follow. On the non-tech side, uh, Helen Rosner, who's at Hells, H-E-L-S, uh, is a food writer, and she's just amazing and insightful and one of my favorite people I follow. Yes, to food tips. I love that. And also, we're going to make sure to put a link in the show notes for the list as well, because I think Twitter lists used to be huge, and I actually love them. And then they got, they kind of disappeared. They got overshadowed a bit. So we're going to bring them back together. I'm, I'm, I'm up for this. My final question, which is fun to ask to a product person you're the first product person that i'm talking to so we'll see so imagine you're actually working for a new company and this company allows you and the whole product is about communication through phones and you have this magical ability to broadcast one message onto everyone's phones what would you say jackie what would this message that you broadcast on everybody's phone be um, I mean, I, if I had more time, I'd think of something better, but my, the one that comes to mind is just to say, like, breathe, <laughs> take a breath. I love it. Um, I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely take it. That's totally fine. I know I put you on the spot with the last one. I appreciate it can be hard to come up with somebody at the end, but you did really well. We all need to catch a breath or two every so often. So thank you so, so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being subjected to my never-ending tangents and for going through this journey together. Jackie, if anybody wants to find out more about you, have more questions, find you on Twitter or anywhere else, please remind us where they should go before we close. Yep, my Twitter uh, is at Jackiebo, J-A-C-K-I-E-B as in boy, O. Um, and my DMs are open. So feel free to send me a message. I love chatting with people about um, tech and things like that. So yeah, love to hear from all of you. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.